You know, and I often think about love like that, you know, especially metta practice and, and this idea of this friendliness they're always cultivating. You know, because sometimes people can get very intellectual with Buddhism. It's kind of one of my biggest things that, uh, you know, I always kind of go back to the basics, you know, like sitting on the earth with a warm heart, like focus on that, you know. And I know we can get fancy and get all, you know, so many different concepts and ideas, but really I think that's the basic premise. A friend of mine was visiting the Dalai Lama in Dharamsala, and she was going to a teaching, and... Um, she was having an electronic device that was all these people, many different languages, you know, and it was a translated, like, little headset. And it wasn't really working. And so it was kind of hours and hours of, you know, he was, he was basically talking mostly in Tibetan and it was going out. And um, there was another woman sitting next to her, and, and my friend looked over and said, do you know what he's talking about? And she said, no, all, all I really got, you know, and they'd been sitting there for hours, was something about... Just have a warm heart. Yeah, that, I think that's it. That's the, that's the idea. <laughs> and they were like, okay, that, we, can, we can work on that. So, like, that's really hard to do, though, I've seen, right? Because we need hours and hours and hours of conversation about how to have a warm heart, right? It's like, how to get out of our way, what does that mean? What does it mean to be kind? <laughs> You know, it's like this epic thing that we have to figure out. And I I really get that. It's just the way of it. But these practices that we are offered here, you know, especially with the Brahma Viharas, you know, these four qualities that you hear about a lot when you come to Spirit Rock, friendliness, metta, right, loving kindness, and then karuna is this compassion. And and then we have um, equanimity, right? with joy, all these qualities of heart and mind. And the Brahma Viharas are referred to as mind-liberating practices. They beautify the mind, right? And that's something that is a part of what we're doing here. Bhavana is a word that means mind training. And that's really what the heart of the Dharma is, is taking the mind and it's training it to see the truth, right? It's like we it's like put the mind through a washing machine. Right, and we're scrubbing all the, the dirt and the debris, <laughs> the junk. You know, people on retreat often report that. It's like the first few days is junk coming out. Like, you know, imagine like a garden that you haven't been out into in a long time, right? And you go out in your backyard and you haven't looked in there for two years or something, right? And the weeds and you start looking through their old Coke bottles and, you know, that's kind of how the, our mind is, Right? I mean, did anyone notice that when they were meditating? <laughs> Was it completely benevolent? <laughs> right? For all beings everywhere? <laughs> no, it's a lot of times we struggle, right? It's like we're tormented, right? So these practices offer us a real way. They're the most hopeful aspects of the human, of humanity, right? Love and compassion are necessities. Without them, humanity can't survive. That's why today when we were having this conversation, we were like, how do we reframe this conversation now about global warming and climate change? Or how do we reframe what's happening? So these practices are healing energies too, of compassion and friendliness and joy and equanimity. 
And they're spoken about in the Pali Canon again and again and again. They're on the top list of everything, <laughs> especially loving kindness. It's one of the Paramis, it's the Brahma Vihara, it's one of the five powers. You know, it's like on and on and on. It's like all these different ways that is pointing, right? This warm heartedness, this friendliness. So we practice that. We practice it because it's um, not our natural tendency, actually. You know, one of the things that I always found so inspiring about the Dharma when I was very young, I started to practice, was that um, it was this idea that we're already perfect, but we've forgotten. To me, that was very inspiring. It was like, you don't have to go, you know, manifesting these energies. They're already in you. It's about uncovering them, right? So it's it's like you have this jewel, it's a jewel in the lotus. It's just, but it's layers of covering. It's like layers and layers and our trauma and our stress and our delusion is like covering this beauty, right? And so the process of meditation is this unraveling, always unraveling. So I think we're like, we're cleaning it and we're cleaning it and we're cleaning it. And then the truth is revealed. The beauty is revealed, right? It's interesting. Um, I was listening to this talk by Eckhart Tolle, and he was saying, when the ego has basically died, what's left is tremendous warmth (laughs) and a natural action of action stemming from love and compassion. Like, in the absence of the ego, there's this, and that's talked about again and again. So it's like this innate, innate nature. So, um... I wanted to just um, talk a little bit about it, and then I want us to break up into small groups and talk about it. So this quality of loving kindness, metta, we practice this. We practice this again and again. If you come on a metta retreat, and I teach many metta retreats here, actually. I love to teach metta retreats, but man, they're shamanic. I've never seen the amount of struggle that people have on metta retreats. In fact, we have one coming up in just a couple of weeks. And so the staff here, we have extra preparation because you wouldn't believe what happens. So what happens in these retreats is for hour after hour, moment after moment, we're saying, may I be happy, may I be safe, may I be peaceful, may I be, live with ease and well-being. And then we're working with categories in the practice. I've never seen so many people go through so much. And some people come to Spirit Rock and they go, oh, this is so great. I'll do meta retreat. I'll eat organic food. I'll be out with the squirrels. Oh, I can't wait. And it's kind of like a descent into the underworld, right? Because if you tell yourself, I'm going to take up a path of love, okay, everything that's not that comes forward. It's purification. The Dharma is purification. And that's a word that you should get comfortable with. It's a word that you should understand, actually. And the Visuddhimagga translation, path of purification, right? That's that cleaning part. So metta is purifying the heart, right? So what happens when people sit down and they say, may I be happy, may I be peaceful? You'll never be happy, right? So all the demons come out. Right, all these obstacles, and people get sick. I've never seen so many people purging than I have on a meta retreat. <laughs> Nausea, vomiting, I mean, even asthma attacks, and even the, the managers are like, my goodness, this is a phenomenon. I was like, they're releasing energy, right? 
it's really intense. And the most challenging part of the whole thing is not loving other people, actually, it's self-love. That has been the most intense thing. And sometimes we try to cultivate kindness. We cannot feel it toward ourselves. Right, and this is, for me, this is the saddest thing. And I understand it because I, I saw it in myself, these layers. So what happens when you take up a path of loving kindness, if you really want to commit to that, of a really, really radical love, self-love, loving yourself, loving others, beautifying the mind, you could say, you encounter three very powerful obstacles. One is hatred, which is very interesting. So people come and they're doing loving-kindness practice and pure hatred comes. And they, they think they're doing something wrong. I always think, this is great. You know, this is being purified. <laughs> Be happy, right? This is good. But it doesn't feel good, right? It feels toxic. So we have to kind of go through, we have to go through that process a bit. The other quality that I think is much more dangerous is a, a very powerful numbness. This is like people say, spring, I've been trying to love myself. And it's like, I say it, I say it, I feel nothing. Day after day, I feel nothing. And they often report feeling like a steely case. Report, it's the same. People interview after interview, they'll be something strangling me, something's oppressing, something's pushing here. And they sit with it and sit with it and sit with it. And it usually takes a, a while and they often want to give up on meta practice because they think I'm, it's not working on me. Everyone else can have an open heart but me. <laughs> and I think that the purification, this is what's getting purified. So the hatred and this intense numbness that we carry. And I worry about that numbness. It's almost like we're encased in something like this metal. Because then we can't feel anything. Right? We can't feel love. We can't feel our heart. We can't feel the earth. We can't feel others. Where it's like it's a, it's a profound disconnect. Right? And we, I think we have that from living too much here. It's in other cultures, it's a bit different. When I'm in South America, it's almost like all heart. You know, like, okay, okay. You know, we're just, you know, it's different quality uh, there. So that numbness is something that's really important to understand, actually, as a process, not as an obstacle, but as a process. And then the third thing that metta, loving-kindness, heals is when people do it intensively, a very powerful type of sorrow comes, right? And it's a sorrow of a, it's like you're homesick, like a homesickness, like almost like you've been away from your home, say your childhood home for a very long time, and you start to come close, right? Maybe if someone's from out of the country and they go back to their home country and they, they smell the smell of the, you know, the spices from, and it produces this kind of like you start to get close to something and, and it's a unique kind of sorrow. It's like, oh, I've been away from myself so long. Or the sorrow actually could be that you've been so hard on yourself, and when you see that, you see the beauty. It's like you catch a, a glimpse of the gem, and then you think, oh my gosh, I didn't recognize this. And, the, 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 and it produces many tears, actually. We have to let go of a lot of tears for that, like our confusion, right, and the hostility that we had fed for so long, unknowingly, of course. 
You know, we're not always aware of this. Metta and compassion are critical if you want to get anywhere in your meditation practice. If you think that you can do it by intellectual effort, you can't because you actually can't let go of anything if you don't have love and compassion. You can't open. You can't... um, You have to have love and compassion. You have to meet the mind. When the mind is insane, in Chagyam Trumpa, the Tibetan master, he used to say, if you haven't seen the insanity of your mind yet, you haven't practiced. Right? The part that is schizophrenic, the part that's totally homicidal. (laughs) Right? You see, you you recognize this some parts, right? (laughs) We're not acting out on that, but it's important to understand that, that there's a part of the mind that is kind of crazy, right? You sit long enough, you see it, right? Self-hatred is crazy, actually. That's schizophrenia. (laughs) That's insanity, right? So we have to have these qualities developed. We, We practice them so that we can incorporate them with mindfulness. Can I be present with kindness for whatever appears in the moment? Right? No matter what memory arises, how do I meet it? If we don't have love and compassion, we'll fight. Right? It arises, we can't, we can't transcend it. We can't alchemize it because we fight against it. Right? So we, we can't be in the moment. Most of you would love meditation for hours. You never get up if your mind was filled with compassion and love and bliss. Right? <laughs> Why would you? And you'd want to sit for hours. Most people get up in a short period because something starts arising that makes you grumpy, right? Oh, okay, I'm ready to get up now. What's, what's going on, right? Mostly some pain starts to happen in the mind, usually. So these qualities of love and compassion, then they help settle us, right? The more you practice, the more wisdom develops. The more wisdom develops, the more you see the value of love and compassion, the more love and compassion is present in an awake mind, the more wisdom is there. They say they all work together in that way. So it's important to balance that. And if you notice that your mind has that hardness to it, to take up the practice seriously is an antidote. It's a gift to us. It's something that the Buddha saw was missing ingredient in the minds of some people. Like, You have to cultivate this quality for a period of time. Some people, my Tibetan teacher, Minjo Rinpoche, um, so we were asking him before, he's been on retreat for a couple of years, but we'd asked him before he went, how's your, com- you know, your compassion practice? Oh, yeah, I'd done two, three-year retreats on compassion. Beautiful. That's six years in retreat, right? <laughs> That's a long time. Some people want to get that in a weekend, right? I don't want to... Radiant heart. Can I do it at the day long on Sunday? Is that going to do it? This is a journey. This is a very important journey. And we have to invest in that a bit. Because I really think that the healing of our planet is going to come down to a beautiful mind. Can we feel what's happening? Can we feel that love and act from that? It's not something that's kind of silly or... or uh, you know, maybe we thought it was corny or something, you know? Love is the answer. Oh, that's corny, right? <laughs> but what else would be the answer if it wasn't compassion? I haven't found another one that makes sense yet, you know? So we have to uh, 
you know, be willing to look at that, understand that. So karuna, compassion, and, and metta. So I want to stop there because, um, and I could go on talking about it for some time, but I want to break up into groups and then and have you talk about this for yourself. What does this mean? Like, how, how do you relate to this? Is it something like, oh, you know, be nice, but not me? Or, you know, what do you notice in your own mind? What is your mind like when no one's there? What is the, what's the dialogue? That's what metta heals. It heals the violence that's here. And uh, that's powerful. You know, what is your self-talk like? Is it suffering? Is it beautiful? Right? And that's the practices transforms that. Right? We make a we make a beautiful garden for ourselves in our own heart. And then we don't want to ever leave, right? We sit in that. So it's beautiful in that way. So I like to break up into groups of four. Just go groups of four, not too big, so because we don't have too much